I'm Karen Stiller. Welcome to the Faith Today podcast. And I'm Bill Fladeris. Today's guest is uh, Kathy Ostapchuk. Uh, she's a co-founder of a group called Gather Women Canada and the author of a book called Brave Women, Bold Moves, Choosing Courage in a Culture of Conformity. Wow, that sounds like a good book. So what is at the heart of this interview, Bill? I asked Kathy, because her organization is about uh, gathering women together, I basically said, why do we need that? And how are we doing as a church in Canada in terms of celebrating and using the gifts of women? Obviously, it's a bit of a complicated situation because churches have a lot of different ways of handling and thinking about those issues. Yeah. So as a woman who's worked with you personally for a very long time, I mean, you're just really good and normal at it. You don't have any issues about working with women, but I know there are still situations out there in church land and in the Christian workplace, let's say, where women may face certain challenges. Did you and Kathy kind of dig into some of the details around that kind of thing? Yeah, we we did. It's kind of interesting because a lot of my education Most of my classmates were predominantly women, and so I've worked with women for most of my life. But I think there are sectors, sometimes in the world of pastoring even, where people have come up in communities where they haven't. And so there are, I don't know if shortcomings is the right word, but people have certain preconceptions, I guess. And the way that Kathy kind of explained it is sort of like, we need to intentionally interrogate these things and talk about them together. Because if we're just relying on assumptions, or if we're not really thinking about it, then we end up going with whatever we inherited. And whatever we inherited might be, you know, a little bit backwards. Her example was, in a church situation, maybe we feel like, oh, great, we have a woman on staff, you know, we're doing fine. But when it comes down to it, if there's a meeting, the woman is expected to bring the coffee or, um, you know, stuff like that still happens, right? And it's because people haven't really thought about it. And maybe in some cases, the woman hasn't raised a stink about it because who wants to raise a stink every time? Actually, I do remember once at uh, an EFC meeting where I was the only woman in the room and I went up to get myself, I got up to get myself a coffee and I turned to the room and said, can I bring anybody else a coffee? And and I instantly felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, oh, I wish I hadn't offered, <laughs> even though, of course, it's fine to offer to get someone a coffee, but I was suddenly aware that I was the only woman. That's weird. And that's exactly it, right? Like, we all aim to serve each other and help each other, right? Mm-hmm. But if we have some kind of unequal ideas or practices about that, just because we haven't really thought about it, You can say we're inclusive or you can want to be inclusive or you can want to celebrate the gifts of women, but do you put your money where your mouth is, is another phrase that Kathy said. What do you really believe, as a say as a church community or as a Christian community, say you are somewhere on this continuum between egalitarian and complementarian, okay, this is where we fall. Do your actions actually reflect your theology or are you still not really being intentional about it and you're just acting based on how you grew up and you're not actually harmonizing your the way that you're living out your faith with the theology that you profess. It's a great reminder to all of us, I think, to be intentional and also to be reflective and to talk about, maybe to talk about the things that are a little bit awkward, like we think we should all be past this sort of thing, but maybe we aren't. 
Hmm. Well, I have only read the print version of this interview, which is in the May-June issue of Faith Today magazine. So I'm really looking forward to listening to the whole conversation on this podcast. Is there anything else we need to know about Kathy and her background before we launch in? She was a fun interview. She had lots of examples. In addition to those other things I talked about with her, she does consulting. And so the other one of the other things we talked about is the importance of mentoring and those kind of relationships and the challenge for some women leaders to find good mentors or up and coming women leaders or women who want to serve in ministry in a church to find good women mentors. That's another side of it that comes out and that's worth thinking about. I'm glad you're here on the podcast, Kathy. I wanted to start off just with thinking about readers who might not be familiar with who you are. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about Gather. What is it? What are you trying to do with that? What are we trying to do with it? Obviously, we're trying to gather. We're trying to connect. It's the thing that I least thought likely I would be doing at this stage in my life. I spent the first half of my life in worship and performing arts and music. And when God changed the trajectory, I wasn't really all that fond of hanging out with women. I thought it was sort of like, oh, why would I want to do that? But as I've been directed into this world and I realized that, you know, women are more than half of the demographic of local churches and the big C church. Mm -hmm. And I found myself having gone to school in the States, going to conferences in the U.S. and coming back and going, oh, I'm going to Canada. What's happening with women in Canada? And so Gather grew out of asking the question, where are the women? What's happening with the women? And nobody really knew. All of our research tends to come from south of the border or the global church. Research is not really focused on what is going on with women in the church or ministry or even in the marketplace. And so we don't really know what's going on. And I do feel that if you can get your pulse on what's happening with women in a nation or in a, in the church in a nation, you can get a pulse on what's going on <laughs> on a bigger scale. It's, it's right. a very good, you know, kind of indicator. And so where are the women? What are the women doing? Gather just came out of, well, let's gather, let's find out. And so this is our seventh year that we are entering. And basically, We connect women, we equip leaders, and we mobilize the female church. That's what we're trying to do. Okay. So how did you get to the point where you thought there is a need for women to gather together? What do they need from each other? Well, connection. When you isolate women, things don't go well. When you isolate anyone, things don't go well. Yeah, yeah. Transformation happens in community, and women... You know, since the (laughs) biblical days where women gathered at the well, there's something that happens when women are together. Just the communication, the championing of each other, the listening to each other's stories. I do feel that we carry the weight of, you know, we hold up half the sky. There's a book by that name. And we care for so many people outside of ourselves just because our psychological strengths are that way. We create solutions to problems, you know. We fix things, we nurture, we cradle. I think we bring so much good into spaces that without that ability to come together, first of all, and be reminded of our worth, you know, we are less likely to go out into and take risks and pioneer things or offer our gifts to the world. So the very first thing is to be reminded of our inherent value as we gather together, 
but then we go out stronger. So I see on your website, there's a fair bit of also information about coaching and mentoring being important. And so I, I kind of getting a little bit of a sense of that. What does that look like in terms of either your ministry as an individual or through Gather? Is there a way that works well to create mentoring or coaching kind of relationships among women or between women? Yeah, well, at Gather, we have a saying called the one, the few, the many. So, you know, we try and as a ministry function in all of those environments. So the many would be our podcasts, our, our conferences, where it's always great to gather and see what God is doing nationally and be very encouraged. But then the few is more strategic. So at Gather, we have an internship program that's developing not only emerging leaders, but leaders of all ages coming together, learning, leading, developing. And then we have a Gather Voices cohort that we develop female communicators. But we really start at, again, do you understand that you do have inherent value you know, as a daughter of God, and that your identity is secure. And then we go into how to use those gifts. The one is, I think what so many women and men really crave is that when you are in a relationship with someone that has your best interest at heart, and that is to move you forward in your life, whether it's a spiritual director, you know, a business coach, a life coach, mentoring you for how you're raising your family, or how to do ministry, transformation again does happen more quickly in a relationship with another person and you see this with Jesus and the disciples like they identified themselves as you know fishermen or you know tax collectors or whatever but then when Jesus comes into this relationship with them all of a sudden their lives change the possibilities emerge and there's someone to follow there's someone to take you there and then you're at the point where that mentoring relationship as you knew it, is no longer there. So he leaves them physically. But what they go and do as a result of that connection, and I think women are always looking for that other person. It's that relationship to, to get them from where they are to where they need to go. And they don't often know that there are women like me that exist in this nation that are here for just that thing. Like, I'm here to create doors of opportunity to create possibilities for that relationship to understand that you're not alone and there's work to be done. And I wouldn't want any women because of lack of opportunity or lack of access to these relationships or lack of confidence, you know, walk into those things that God has prepared for them. So sometimes it's a matter of, for the women of just for someone who is looking for mentoring or coaching is just recognizing that the possibility for that exists or that they would benefit from it. But I wonder if there's also obstacles to accessing it, even for people that want it. I read this study recently about small churches. I was actually wrote an article about it. And one of the things that the study found, they were talking to women who are pastors in small churches. And the numbers were like 36, 37% of them said they find it difficult to access a female ministry mentor And they also felt that only a female denominational leader will truly understand the challenges I face as a woman in ministry. So that's specific to pastors, but it just kind of struck me. Obviously, these are women who want some kind of coaching or mentoring or support in that way, and yet they are finding it hard. So I don't know if if you've seen that as well, if you could speak to that. Is that just a a shortage of infrastructure in, in the Canadian church that we're missing that we need to create? 
Yeah, I think the struggle is real. I hate to say that, but the struggle is real. <laughs> sure. And it's not just in the Canadian church, but in the Canadian church, you know, we are trailing behind, I think, market uh, advancement for women. We seem to still get stuck on all the theological reasons why women, you know, should not be invested in. Mm, okay, so you're comparing the church and the business marketplace, if you will, now then. Well, uh, I'm, I'm comparing like the Canadian church with, yes, Canadian culture, but I'm also comparing the Canadian church like with other global countries that, for instance, Australia, that 20 years ago, they sort of kind of address this issue and are moving forward in terms of the opportunities for women. We're still lagging behind. I look huh. at it as a triangle. I read that study that you're referring to. I think it's a fantastic study just because I think over 80% of churches in Canada are 200 congregations of 200 or less. So if we're talking about small churches and women are experiencing in small churches that they have to go outside their in-house environment to find the leadership development, the mentoring they need, then right. it's like, okay, what is going on in local churches where men have more access to it just because that's their environment. If there's more number of men on a staff, then they just find it in-house. And so the need arises from, well, where do I go look then? If it's not in-house, where do I find what I need? And if there are fewer women in ministry or church environments, I think that it's a smaller pool, right? So where do I find okay. women like me that I can learn from? Who's gone ahead? Who's pioneered? I know there's research from when I was with Next Level Leadership that stated that 67% of all seminary students are women, but only 3% of women are on staff at churches or in ministry world. So what happens wow. to women after seminary? And, you know, so these are questions that luckily now we are working with the EFC to do research on women in Canada, particularly Christian women, to find out where are they, what are the challenges, you know, what are the wins, and how we can best resource the needs. Because I think the point that you brought up about there being a challenge and an obstacle is true. I see the solution, though, as being very complicated and not just, and multi-layered. So gather, in particular, and my personal call is to say, what are the obstacles that women themselves face that are internal? You know, their lack of confidence, their lack of access to resources, but even their thinking that they belong <laughs> at the table in decision-making places. So we try and work with that. And that's very largely a theological issue. What do I really believe about what God says about my value? And then, of course, we have to work with men. I mean, I'm married to a man. I know I know what that's like to say, do you make room for women? Do you make space for women? Right. Is it something that you've thought about how to invite them into a conversation or to a leadership position that would be a risk for you? And how it can be very non-threatening instead of every time you talk about, oh, I, I need to you know, have a woman on this team that is all of a sudden a... Oh, I'm, I'm a little bit scared about that. And then the third part of the triangle is the church. And when you think of the church, you know, we often call it an institution, but institutions are, they don't go anywhere. Like they're, they're old, like they, they, they're immovable. But the church is a movement. The church is supposed to be defining and shaping culture. It's supposed to be an influencer. It's supposed to be, you know, uh, salt and light. 
And I think the church as a movement needs to reorient itself to really the God story that from the beginning, women rose up at key points in the story of God to move the story forward. And, you know, we, we look at Rahab. I mean, Jesus came from her lineage and Ruth and these women because they said yes. And so we've forgotten a little bit of, about that. So the whole narrative maybe can be more balanced in this cultural moment to bring, you know, this sense of equity that I think God always designed to the story. And it doesn't mean you have to choose, you know, to be an egalitarian or complementarian or all the shades in between. You just choose to value both men and women equally so the church can flourish. That's really powerful. I'm thinking about the different sectors of the church then, like you're talking about egalitarian and complementarian sectors. Sometimes I think in terms of evangelical sector and the mainline sector in Protestantism. I suppose what you're saying is that all those sectors still have work to do in this area. Is your experience that it's more of a struggle or it's harder in certain sectors? Or do you feel like in a group like Gather that you can address all the different sectors and help people to see, like you were just saying, the unifying trajectory of what God has designed for the church and what God is bringing the church towards? That's a very good question. My goal would be to have this conversation about the inherent value of both men and women in a main stage environment where those leaders, both emerging and existing leaders that are called to shape the church, to stay in the church, to elevate the bride to God's glory, would say we need to address this issue once and for all because it's keeping us from so much that we could be doing. And we need to release, you know, the gifts of more than half the church. So they are not sidelined. And so we're not accessing everything that they could bring because the world has already done that. You know, say women are valuable. You need at least 30% of women at a boardroom table to influence that board. Well, we need to start looking at the makeup of our small churches and the right. big church and say, do we have the representation because we need it? We're missing so much of what we could have access to when we say there's no space for you. We don't believe theologically that you should have certain gifts in this environment so it's quite complicated, and I guess the statement that I really adhere to is the world needs a gospel vision of relationships between men and women. So this does include marital relationships, sibling relationships, family. We need to show that and honor that. And what message does the church offer women in the 21st century? And what message are we sending to the world by how we value and mobilize our own daughters? I think we have to understand that we will all benefit when both men and women are actively engaged, you know, in flourishing churches. And what is it costing us when half the churches go and tap? So there is definitely, I hear you saying quite clearly and, and articulately that there is definitely a message that is relevant to all of the church for all of us to stop and say, what obstacles do we need to get out of the way to have fuller participation? And then... I'm anticipating where you were going with that, and that is to say, and then in individual communities where there's a theological consensus, 
they each can work at in their own pace or their own way or whatever is comfortable for their community to say, okay, this is what we can do in our community that still matches with our theology or whatever. Yeah. What I'm not saying is that everybody has to believe the same thing. Right. <laughs> we, we, all, we all look at scripture. It's alive. It's, you know, there are certain principles that we all agree on for sure. You know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and, right. and you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. But while we're kind of saying we're not all going to agree, what can we do in our local context to at least act out of what we do believe? And know what we believe and spend some time pursuing that so there's not confusion. And I would never say to a woman, you need to believe. When I say you need to believe that you have inherent value, I will never go to her and say, if your church does not support you as a preacher or, uh, you know, a leader, then you need to leave. I will never say that. I will say to every woman, you have the opportunity to transform your environment, whatever that environment is. Instead of needing to conform or be conformed into, you're a transforming agent. We all are. So yep. what opportunity do you have? If you're in a small church that's very traditional, you know, with different beliefs about your opportunities, do you still have an opportunity to influence? And if you feel that you are still called to stay there and influence, then you should stay. If you're not, then leave. But Again, if everybody left environments that are less than, you know... All the environments are imperfect, right? (laughs) Not only imperfect, but generally toxic. I mean, we're human. Okay, okay, We're broken. And so we're we're all doing the best we can. But I think we've all been given agency to not only make disciples, but change the world, one conversation, relationship at a time. So I will never tell a woman, I will never prescribe for one woman... You need to do what every woman needs to do. Sometimes it's better to leave if it's not safe, if there is abuse, if there is a situation that it's just not healthy for you, there's trauma. But in other situations, maybe you've been hurt or maybe you've been offended. And is it better to stay and work it out and see what the possibilities are for change? So being called to be a disciple, whether you're a man or a woman, is not for the faint of heart because we're human and we have to do life together. And that's the joy of it. And that's the challenge of it, whether it's marriage or co-laboring in the church or any relationships. I think we do reflect the heart of Jesus when we intentionally commit to doing it better together. Can you think of a story for us or an anecdote that you can tell us about women and men working together in a community that led to an improvement in the participation of women in that community? I would love to hear sort of an inspiring example that you may have seen of some community at whatever level, a local level or a larger level, making some progress in this. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you stories of the opposite, (laughs) including my own. But yes, I'll tell you one story that's sort of related to it. And our good friend, Jeff Locke here, who's the chair of the board of the Global Leadership Network, he's a pastor at Southridge. At Gather, we held uh, a gathering at one conference, which was at the time the largest gathering of the church in Canada, in Edmonton, Alberta, a few years ago. And we invited men and women leaders, so men pastors, female pastors, We had three pastors show up and one that stayed in the room, and it was Jeff. And he stayed in the room 
because you said, this is what it feels like to walk into a room of women. This is what you must experience all the time, you know, as women leaders <laughs> to walk into a room and it's full of men. But also at his church, he's invested in, you know, cultural training for their staff to for how men and women will work together. And what does that look like? What things need to change? What language needs to change? What does collegiality look like? It's not just the work you do together, but how you are together as friends. And so they've transformed their whole environment in that place. And it's definitely hmm. possible. It's not a quick fix. You can't go in and have a conversation and say, because you're changing the actual makeup of your relationships, how you've been with each other will change, how you look at each other will change. But you never diminish one's value by raising another, right? I think when you do that work, it's raising the human dignity of all. You know, and I look at my kids' marriages, and they're very equitable. They're not at all like mine or the way I was raised to think, but I think it's good. Because those with the strengths lead with their strengths. And God, as far as I can see from Scripture, did not call people because of their gender. He called right. them because of their giftedness. And I think we want a gift-based, strength-based world because then we leverage the best that people have, whether they're men or women. So as much as I want to focus on developing women, at the same time, I just want to focus on developing disciples, whether they're men or women. What are your gifts? What are you holding in your hand? What can you best offer to the church so the church can flourish? So part of what I hear you saying is a church can, like I have experience of churches and Christian groups where we've hired a consultant to help us think about the way we think about different cultures, right? And trying to be more aware of that. Similarly, a church could also hire a consultant or do some thinking or take some steps towards thinking about, well, how are we dealing with differences between men and women in terms of how we operate? Is that a thing? I think it needs to become a thing. And I think we were just talking about that in the conversation I had uh, before this is that perhaps we need to go into churches and, you know, see what exists that is unintentional. Ministry is hard. Pastoring, leading is hard. I always want to commend pastors, Christian leaders for staying and doing the hard work of ministry, especially in this culture. It's only going to get harder. So if you're there doing it, I commend you. But one thing is because it's been under the radar for so long, sometimes we just assume that if we have a, a female on the team, she'll be the one bringing in the coffee yeah. or, you know, we've just done things for so long. It's unintentional. But what things are blind spots? What things, what things can be brought into the light so we can look at and go, oh, I had no idea or I had no idea that that was causing you, you know, a bit of a problem. But it's over time. These conversations happen over time. But they're certainly possible. Jesus valued women. We can see that. You know, but he also valued men. And I think if we can place the same value on the intentionality, um, then definitely it's worthwhile. I can imagine, too, that there are communities where there is a woman on the leadership team at that church or whatever. So everybody thinks, oh, we've got that all figured out. That's all, that's all stuff from the past. We don't have to be intentional about that anymore. We don't really have to think about that anymore. So your example was sort of like of a church that maybe is struggling on the one end, of, but I can imagine that there's also struggles on the other end of taking things for granted. Is that true? Yeah, both are true. Both are true, for sure. I, 
I was at a, a gathering of women of a certain denomination that did ordain their female pastors. Okay. But the women were sharing examples of even though they were in that role, they were given the position, but they didn't have the authority. So one woman okay. was saying, you know, she had been, had been pastoring this church for a few months and the congregation was still waiting for the real pastor to show up. Oh, and she, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, I'm your pastor. So right. there's still a challenge. Once you have been given the position, do you, have you been given the authority and the power? I think one thing that women struggle with, and we hate to share this because it speaks to our lack of confidence, is that, you know, we have to walk in our authority. We are also uh, ambassadors of the yeah. gospel. We are image also bearers. the priesthood, image bearers, priesthood of all believers. So we have been called to go into the world in whatever context we're in and call people to a relationship with Christ. And so part of the failure is that women, including myself, have failed to walk in our authority because I think I'm less than or I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be a bother. I don't. You know, I don't want to be perceived as domineering, but it's really just confidence and an understanding, um, again, a value of we bear God's image in our essence. And so we have a responsibility to show that to the world. Well, one of the big themes that I hear you saying then is this importance of recognizing, of women recognizing of themselves and of the church recognizing and acknowledging that women can do things that maybe they for whatever reason, have not considered before, or that they have areas of ministry that once they're encouraged to do that, they'll, that they will flourish in. But there has been a lack of encouragement in the past. Opportunity is huge because I don't know about you, but I've learned mostly from my failures. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, and failures, and that's plural. But I learn from them, which means I've had opportunities to fail. And if you don't have an opportunity, let's say you carry an anointing of, you know, you have a very strong teaching gift. But if you don't have an opportunity to teach or preach and then get feedback and grow and learn, you don't get the reps in. So you never grow that gift. And therefore, you may be seen as, oh, well, they're not very good. Or if you don't have an opportunity to lead, you know, the executive team at the church in a meeting, a strategic meeting, then how do you know, you know, what's in you? How do you get the feedback? How do you know how your voice sounds when you put it out there? And so very often women will just self-silence because we're not sure of the sound of our, our voice. We don't know how it resonates. We're taught to be quieter or we just need to learn how to be ourselves in the world and feel that right. it will be accepted. And I think that we just don't want to be welcomed. We want to be wanted. We do need to be invited, intentionally invited into environments and given the opportunity to fail. And that will help us with our confidence. I took some time to listen to some of the podcasts that you make. There's a podcast for Gather Women. And this year you have a theme, which you call All the Things, which is lovely. And so I listened to a bunch of those and it struck me that almost every interview with those women, you talked about wearing so many different hats and how each of those women that you interviewed, they had to be intentional about carving out some space to follow that call to ministry, even if that's, you know, a part-time space or whatever that space is so that they can practice. And I was going to say succeed, but you were just saying also fail and learn from failures or whatever. So 
how do we as a church community help create these spaces for women to flourish in their callings? I hear you saying that we have to change the way that we think. Are there other things that we have to do? Change policies, create new, I don't know, organizations, networks? Let me put it this way. If you, Kathy, could talk to all the men listening to this podcast, what would you say, where can men, let's say, start to put our priorities to say, we want to do better with this and help make the church better for women? Yeah, that's such a great question. And thank you for asking that. I do have a challenge for female leaders is to, you know, own what you carry and develop it, invest in it, find out what that is, do the work. I think the challenge to men, to male leaders, is to do the work of theologically settling what you actually do believe. Because if you say you value women, then a series of behaviors will come out of that and determine the gap between your theology and your practice, because it will mean change. The thing is, we can believe something, but when we don't change our environment to back up that belief, then that's not really putting your money where your mouth is. We're bridging the gap. So I think if you are leading in an environment as a male leader or even in your home, start by taking the temperature of the culture. You know, start by asking questions. Ask the women in your church, what's it like for you to be a woman leader at our church? Uh, How well are we stewarding your gifts for the enrichment of the body? Where do you think our blind spots are in terms of supporting you? Where are we on the continuum from toxic to healthy? How do we relate to one another professionally and then socially? You know, and just start taking the temperature. And then, you know, that's current reality. That's doing a SWAT, like (laughs) strengths, weaknesses. And then from there, you know, invest in the development of your female staff. And you may have to do it disproportionately for a while to, to rebalance the environment because women have been traditionally, historically underrepresented, underserved, underinvested in. So there may be a while where it feels like, oh, we are really giving a lot of attention to what's happening with the women in our church. Well, you need to because it's long overdue and that will kind of move things forward faster. Give women visibility in a platform. Highlight your female leaders. Tell positive stories about your female leaders. Ask female leaders to lead staff in leadership meetings. Again, because we need just more reps. And also refer more often to the stories in the Bible of real-life women that were part of the narrative. We don't hear a lot about them from the pulpit except on Mother's Day, right? And that's when (laughs) women get asked to speak. And then I think, you know, the biggest change will be in your environment if you explore the possibility of implementing a gifts-based ministry placement as opposed to gender-based. Like the worst thing to do would be to say, we need a female leader, so we're going to hire, you know, a female leader. And she turns out not to be a a success. And then you go, oh, see, like who's the best woman or man for the job? Right. And if you're known as an environment that is calling up both male and female leaders, your talent is going to be attracted to the table. Like you will attract talent. You'll attract female talent. But women aren't going to show up if they know that traditionally they're not going to be chosen anyway or they're the token female. And I do want to kind of end with this thought. Every time 
there's been a spiritual awakening, women are often called up into ministry and spiritual leadership. It is one of the signs of revival. And Acts 2.18 tells us, In those days I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And in my lifetime, I would love to see that time be now. Wow, Kathy, that is a beautiful vision. Thank you so much for this time that we could chat together. Let's pray together that God does bring that revival in his church and help us to see the contributions that we can make towards removing obstacles for that. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it. 